three nights of all teams Went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards Get it Swaggering dandies An absolute humdinger Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Forward the Hamlet. I'm Hugo Greenhouch. And I'm Ben Sibley. This week we have an exclusive interview with our left back, Fraser Shaw, and we catch up with Highlights Channel football exclusives. We also have a roundtable discussion on the Margate game, and we have a roundup of the latest goings on from Dulwich Hamlet over the past two weeks. After the 2-0 win against Grays on Saturday, we spoke to November Player of the Month, Fraser Shaw. Fraser, you just won the uh, November Player of the Month. How have you found your time at Dulwich so far? Um, really enjoyed it so far. It's been a, quite a while since I was playing football again, but at, decent, at a decent level. And I've come to Dulwich and um, I'm really enjoying it. The management are good here, the players are good and they welcome me and I'm really enjoying it at the moment. Is it true you're an Arsenal schoolboy? Yeah, I was at Arsenal from the age of seven up to 15. And then uh, I went on to West Ham after that. Did you play with any notable players when you were um, Arsenal? Jack Wilshere, I played with him a few times. Uh, Jamie Mangle Thomas, Sanchez Watts, Kieran Agard, players like that. And um, other players I played with are still like, developing in the under-21s at professional level and stuff like that. So it's all right. And how did you find your time at West Ham? Uh, it was really good there. I learnt a lot there. And uh, again, the management were good there, the players were good there, and I got a lot of good experience there as well, going abroad to Washington and winning tournaments there and stuff. So it was really good there. I really enjoyed it. Was that in pre-season? Yeah, that was a pre-season tour, yeah. That was an amazing experience. Yeah, it was really good out there. We got to go like, visit the nice places out there, like the White House and stuff like that. So it was really good out there to see America as well. That was the first time I've been there. Did you have much contact with the first team when you were at West Ham? Uh, Training-wise, yeah, we trained with them quite a bit. And um, pre-season, we got to go away with them for a bit. We went to um, Ireland. And um, recent after that, we just like games and things like that. But it was good, though, yeah. Do you have much contact with Allardyce? When we trained with the first team, he would get... The thing I liked about him, he would notice us and he would give us a chance to, like, when we were training with them and stuff like that. But um, personally... Yeah, I did speak to him about, and I had a good relationship with him, so it was good, yeah. Was it his decision to let you go? What happened when you were released? Um, I'm not sure if it was directly his decision, but um, I think it might have been an all-round management decision. And um, it was just, they thought I was um, needing more experience in like, men's football and things like that to help my development personally. So um, I got nothing against him and I enjoyed my time there and I'm thankful for what I got there. Did you have a trial at Hull after you left? Yeah, I was at um, Hull for about six weeks. Um, originally, it was only um, it was only a one-week trial. And uh, after the week, they wanted to keep me there for another week. And then after that week, it was just a week after, a week after. But yeah, I enjoyed it there as well. It was decent up there. You started this season off at Billericay. <coughs> How was that? How did you end up there? Well, it was a friend of my father's. And uh, he was speaking to the management there. And uh, the management said I could go in and have a few uh, tra- training with them and stuff like that. And after a few training sessions, they wanted me to sign there. So um, it wasn't really like a contract, but it was like a, a non-contract kind of thing. And I uh, played a few games there. But uh, yeah, again, I'm thankful for them giving me a chance because before, before that, I didn't play football for like a good few months. So that was just to get me back fit again. And they did, so I'm thankful for that. How are you finding working with Gavin and the rest of the team? 
I really like Gavin. Gavin's um, since that like, throughout my career, Gavin's one of my favorite managers from the way he uh, coaches us and the way he like carries himself and he doesn't really shout a lot like our previous managers. And uh, I've learned a lot being with him since I've been here. And even though I've been at higher clubs, I've learned a lot from Gavin rather uh, from other managers so I really like Gavin and the players are good as well they welcomed me as soon as I came here and I'm really enjoying it with them look. Since you arrived we were looking the other day you've, you already have four or five assists I don't know, I don't know if you knew that but you're no, thinking about knew the that. third or fourth top assister already Yeah. Um, is that something that you've worked on getting forward a lot or do you enjoy it? Um, I think because I played centre midfield before playing at left back um, I'm naturally wanting to attack and uh, I've never, since I've been playing left back, I've never been one to just sit back and not like to get forward. I enjoy getting forward. And I think playing in a team like Dulwich, where they play and you do get your chance to get forward as a fullback, it just naturally gives me the chance to. And yeah, any chance I get to go forward, I do like to. And uh, I guess I give credit to the strikers and the finishers for the finishing the goals. So you used to play centre midfield. When did you convert? Um, when I was from Arsenal. I went to. I was at centre midfield at Arsenal. So you playing centre mid with Jack? No, um, Jack was a little bit older than me. So, um, like friendly games and stuff like that. Yeah, I have played alongside him, but apart from that, like uh, proper games and things like that, I never really got to play with him. But when I went through, when I went to West Ham, uh, the management there saw me as a left back. A manager called Nick Haycock, and he saw me as a left back. So he put me to left back, and it naturally that like, I think it helped me and improved my game a lot. So since then, I've been playing left-back since like, the age of 15. And what's the, the mood like at the moment in the dressing room, like getting close to the end of the season? Is there belief that Dulwich can actually go on and win the title? Yeah, I think uh, but even before I came, there's always been belief at this club that they were going to do really well in this league. And uh, since I've been there, I've seen, again, a really big belief that we are going to win the league now. And all the boys and the management are confident, and that's all we're looking for. We don't really want to play offs. We're actually looking for automatic promotion, and that's what we're going for. And for you personally, what are your ambitions? Uh, I want to win the league with the boys and carry on improving as a player personally and as a team. And I want to look forward, I'm just looking forward to next season now and whatever happens will happen. How have you found the level since you've come to first Billericay and then Dulwich? Um, coming from where I've played, it's a lot more physical in this kind of leagues. But I think as a young player, I think that will help me a lot and improve me because I've never had this experience to play in this men's football before playing at Billericay. So to play at Billericay where they're not really a passing team, it's really like direct football. So I think that was good for me. And then I've come to a team like Dulwich where it's similar to the higher levels like West Ham's and Arsenal. So And I like, really like the way they play. So when Dulwich was in contact with me, I was really pleased because of if I wasn't going to be at that level, if I was going to be at this level, I'd like to be at a team like Dulwich because they like to move the ball and it suits my type of football. And uh, we spoke to Phil Wilson for an extended <coughs> interview uh, the other week and he mentioned he's finds master this season along with a couple of others. Yeah. And we've just seen him again tonight and he's mentioned that you might owe quite a bit of money. Yeah, um, well, they made a rule to say that if you are late, you get a £50 fine. And um, all in one week, I must have picked up about £150 and uh, Phil loves it as soon as you're late he's just waiting there watching his watch and he loves it but yeah Phil's a good lad I like Phil so I'm going to have to go pay my fans now This season has seen the emergence of football exclusives a non-league football media outlet We spoke to Ravit and Tom to find out more 
Robert, can you tell us a bit about the history of football exclusives? Yeah, this is actually our our fourth season, uh, but it's the first season that we started as a as a proper company. And for three years, we were covering non-league football. We were doing little match reports, a few video highlights. Um, but now we've gone down the route of just doing video highlights. We partner with non-league clubs to film their home matches and selected away games for free. And we charge fans five pound a month to view the content, and two pound of that goes back to the club. So obviously, Dalit Chamlet, uh, we're partners, filming partners for Dalit Chamlet, also filming partners for Hampton Richmond Borough. Um, Lewis in, also in the Raman Premier League and in the Conference South with Town. Tom you've been watching Dulwich all season what are your thoughts on the game today against Margate? Uh, absolutely massive uh, game coming into it today obviously uh, having lost midweek want, Gavin wanted to bounce back he's seen a great response from the boys uh, massive three points for, for them puts Margate under a lot of pressure but Dulwich the, for them getting on another run is important now they'll set them up nicely for next weekend they'll be full of confidence again and I'm expecting them to really push hard between now and the end of the season to uh, get the automatic promotion place and having had a great vantage point the whole season at Champion Hill who stood out for you this season? I think Dulwich's best player every, every game is Ethan Pinnock and today he deserved his goal today he's been missing that from his game all season he defends masterfully every game him and Terrell Forbes have a great partnership at the back uh, I'm a big fan of Fraser Shaw as well but there's so many great players on that team they, 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 they've come together really well Gavin's rebuilt his side this season I'm led to believe um, and he's building a really good exciting team here and they don't let each other uh, don't let each other down and it looked like Gavin set up to win today and it was just all, all Dulwich really wasn't it yeah well they would do every game they, they look to play possession football they like to get the ball on the deck and, and pass it around as, as every, every Dulwich fan will already know and uh, yeah I think today they played uh, Margate off the park uh, I think Margate fans will have to agree with that they were outplayed on their own backyard and, and Dulwich are fully deserving of the three points and finally, Rabbit, why should Dulwich fans sign up to Football Exclusives? Um, because we're there to obviously offer Dulwich Hamlet fans an opportunity to relive uh, match highlights like the 2-1 victory away here and to watch good quality highlights with Tom's commentary, which is always top-notch. Um, but also, I mean, you've got a chance to make Dulwich Hamlet a little bit of money. We're a, we're a company that are here because we love non-league football. Um, we're all passionate non-league fans as well as obviously supporting our Premier League teams and we're there to generate clubs a little bit more extra revenue as well. For just it's, it's five pound a month. It's, it's li- literally nothing, and for that, Dulwich get two pound of your subscription back. So that help that goes towards the twelfth twelfth man scheme. Uh, Dulwich are putting that towards, so it can improve the playing squad here. And they've already got good players. If they can get in another couple of great players, then who knows where this club can go? And we, we, we're helping out in whatever way we can with that. We felt that the two one victory against Margate was so momentous on and off the pitch that it merited a special discussion. Duncan Hart and Jack Bagnall of the Supporters Trust invited us round for an extended chat. Duncan, hello, good evening. Jack. Hello. And Hugo Sam. Good evening. If we look at the Dulwich lineup. it was the same, for those who weren't there, it was the same as um, previous games recently. Phil Wilson in goal, back four was Michael Abner, Ethan Pinnock, Terrell Forbes, Fraser Shaw, and then you had Jack Dixon, and I suppose out of the two of Ashley Carew and Javi Vidal, you'd say that I don't know, actually, both of them pushed forward, so it was just Jack Dixon sitting. They and did, then... they did. I mean, I think of Ash was actually probably moving forwards more than I've seen him in recent games as well. I mean, yeah. Zav has been like the, the pinnacle of the triangle, but yeah. it seemed like they, they, Jack was the only one that was really sitting, and, uh, yeah. and Zav and Ash both had licence to go forward. Yeah, and then Noran Clunis down the left, Luke Wanadio, Wanadio, Wanadio down the right, <laughs> and then Harry Ottaway up front on his own, and... I mean, right from the first whistle, it was clear that the, the, that midfield three again were just going to control the game from the very mm. first minute, I thought. 
you know, whenever it got forward to Harry as well, he always got it down really quickly and laid off a chance, even if he was slightly afraid to shoot as well occasionally, which would have been nice to see. But yeah. I think he's such a good outlet having someone strong up top. It's an it's obvious point, but it really does make a difference when we had so many games in the sort of midway through the season so far where we've had bit park strikers like Bagus and Graham who I wouldn't yeah. really call a striker and <laughs> Kev James having to play up front yeah yeah. Um, Omar Karoma did a couple of games pushed up top as well I mean that midfield core is looking so strong but down the flanks as well I mean Abner and uh, Abner and Shaw I struggle to believe that there's a better set of fullbacks in this league and probably much of a league above I mean right. they're looking absolutely fantastic and yeah. finally uh the King of Camberwell, Nairon Clunis, as I heard him <laughs> refer to over over weekend, is uh, has, has got a part. I think we've missed Logie being out injured, and and when Adio's come in, he's hit the ground running straight away. Yeah. He's, I think a lot of the fans are very fond of him, and he's doing exactly what Nairon does. He gets forward, he can take a man on, and he's just a really exciting player to watch. I think. Yeah, and he always does the dummy you sort of expect him to do, but it still beats the fullback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was it was the strong attacking play which gave us the lead on Saturday. Ashley Carew had some really good work just inside the right hand channel, inside the box. Mm. He managed to escape the attentions of a couple of Margate defenders, and it had it had it had been coming for quite a while. Um, and he managed to get to the byline, pulled a ball back across the six yard box, and Naira and Clunis came crashing into the six yard box and belted it into the back of the net. And I think that. I don't think any Dutch fans were surprised that we scored. Mm. I think no, no, but Ash had been down the right hand side a few times. I mean, fired yeah. him in across the box, and uh, it was great that Nara finally got on the end of one. Yeah, uh, I think Harry wasn't too far off one as well, so it wasn't really a surprise when we went one up, which was fantastic when you were away at Margate. Mm. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't believe how well we started. I I knew the team was on form, and I knew the formation and the, the starting lineup had been settled for a couple of weeks now. And it, there was a possibility we might be t- might be able to hold our own, but to really start the game and then that strongly, and then go into the lead, and no one be particularly surprised. And you could tell the players as well. The celebrations weren't huge. I don't think they saw it as a huge goal, mainly because they knew you know they, it didn't surprise them. I think that's I think that says a lot. Yeah, and that's what Phil said to us, wasn't it? Yeah. He, they know they, they're capable of beating Margate and they did just that. It completely showed. Um, it's just a shame, how long was it afterwards? About 10, 10, 15 minutes later. Margate hadn't really shown much going forward and then the ball broke in a similar position to where Ashley Carew crossed actually. Um, it broke in the right-hand channel in, the, in our penalty area. And I can't remember who it was, it might have been their right midfield had chipped a ball to the middle of the box around the penalty spot. And it was headed in past Phil and to, in, down to Phil's bottom right hand, and it was just—it's just deja vu at the moment. It's just another headed goal, mm. which is just—and especially on Saturday, it was so frustrating because it was such one-way traffic, and it was just another occasion of one attack, one ball that had been put into the box at head height, and it ended up in the back of the net. There wasn't even anybody challenging for the ball, was there? I think when the, no. when the ball came in, the, his, no. whoever it was, lost it was marker, yeah, completely. Well off, well off the guy who scored the goal. So that was uh, disappointing. Yeah, but then I mean, don't want to be critical at all because there's absolutely no reason to be at the moment with the team playing so well. But, but as you say, Ben, there's been quite a few goals conceded from header goals. Uh, the one against Leatherhead, uh, yeah. the Leaston uh, goal came from a corner, hit the second goal. Yeah. Um, so it, it's something that would be nice to tighten up on, but frankly, you know, when you're scoring so many goals from around the team, 18 players, I think, 
Uh, you tweeted earlier in the week, have scored for Dulwich for this yes. season. Yeah, Ethan was the, uh, we'll get on to Ethan's goal, but he's the 18th different scorer for Dulwich this season in the league. Um, but, I mean, going back to Dulwich's problem with the balls in, in, the, in the air, I mean, it's something Terry Brown picked up on in his post-match interview as well with Football Exclusives. He said that Dulwich are well known for a team, being a team that you can get at with high balls into the box because they are a small team. We mentioned the other week that it's probably only Ethan... Ethan Pinnock, Ashley Carew and Harry Ottaway who are even over six foot um, in the entire team. When you compare that to some of the teams in the league like Billy Ricky the other week, I think every single one of their outfield players almost was over six foot. Well, that's what I was thinking when I was looking at the Margate team. Like, yeah. They all just seem to be really big players and Ryan Moss, the Margate goalscorer, he looked a big player and they had two pretty large centre-backs as well which didn't really cause us too many problems when we were, when we were going forward. But yeah, as you say, you look around at the teams in this division... And by and large, it is large, nice players. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah. And then for the rest of the first half, um, it was it was a slightly more even game. Phil Wilson made a double save at one point from a Luke Moore shot, and then a, a follow up as well, which was a, a cracking double save. Mm. And then h- half time came, and ten minutes into the second half, we had a free kick. Another another free kick that was about 25 yards from goal with Ashley Carew standing over it but the angle this time wasn't really the, the right one for him to have a go on goal so as as you're looking to the goal he's probably in line or just outside the right hand post if you're looking at the goal um, so instead of going for goal he clipped it into the box or I think it was around the penalty spot and uh, Ethan Pinnock rose like a salmon glanced it off the top of his head into the bottom corner it was refreshing to see him score after uh, I can't remember who it was was it Gavin or someone we've spoken to recently has said that Ethan should be scoring more should be getting in those mm. positions a lot more mm. um, I mean he's been getting in those positions and he's been getting headers off but he's not yeah. he hasn't been getting them on target yeah. so it was, it was great that he finally got one um, and I, I think I'm right in saying that was his first goal since scoring against Margate last season someone did mention that and I can't be corrected on that so I think you're right I don't know if anyone else knows Quite possibly, I don't recall too many Ethan Pinnock goals. It's not a bad habit to have, though, scrawling as Margot, that's for sure. And then for the remaining half an hour, standing behind that goal, even though it is just another three points, and it's you know it's not even that surprising anymore to get a result against Margate, for the final half an hour, mm. I could barely watch. It felt like a cup final, mm. and even though it shouldn't, and I know I've seen some people on social media after the game saying they have no idea why people were saying it felt like a cup final. I don't know why it did, but it felt like it completely because it was just, I think it was because we were in their own backyard and they've invested a hell of a lot of money in that team. We turned up playing passing football, uh, good football, and we've gone 2-1 up and there's still half an hour left and I could barely take it but there was also I think it's, it's about the build up as well isn't it the comments yeah. that have been made by their assistant manager I think is he called Stuart Cash who, yeah. who's, who'd apparently been making comments about the size of our squad not being good enough and basically yeah. basically talking about um, that it being between them and Maidstone and so to be able to go there and defeat a, a team which has just spent astronomical sums of money on time and time again brought in players that none of us can quite believe are coming back to play at this level it's you know there's something pretty satisfying and I think as well it's I know Michi's spoken before about the first time he noticed that um, I, th- I think he I think he refers to the League Cup final as being the game where he noticed that lots of other newer fans were travelling and obviously that's continued but I felt that Saturday was a day as well where 
the sort of next wave of new support Another coming level. on. Yeah, they, there was there was lots of people there who, you know, obviously I don't know everybody who goes to Dulwich, but lots of faces there who oh, I hadn't seen around so much or I hadn't you yeah. know, people I hadn't got to know who were there, and they weren't just there; they were there singing, they were you know part of it, and the rabble was was you know it, it really swollen, which I think is something you get in in sort of big big one off games, and so. I'm sure that the people have come out at a great time and it will continue to grow, but I think that added to the sort of carnival atmosphere um, and the feeling that it was a quite a special game. Then we played Hampton and Richmond, which was a terrible game. There was a pitch inspection on the morning. The referee decided to go ahead with the game on a very muddy pitch, which really didn't aid our uh, slick passing game. And Hampton were able to... Uh, take a 1-0 lead which they held and we really kind of struggled to get into that game despite a lot of chances and we had a few cleared off the line one cleared by some mud <laughs> yeah a couple of times and also last yeah last weekend it was a handsome weekend we had a competition our twitter account was coming up to 400 followers so we ran a little competition with an incredible selection of prizes including a couple of Dulwich Hamlet stickers, one of them of Edgar Cale, and the other one that claims that history is to the judge and Dulwich Hamlet is the executioner, uh, a carton of Italian chopped tomatoes from Sainsbury's, and a pink shot glass. I'm delighted to say, in case you missed it on Twitter, or you don't have Twitter, that Mr Oliver Osmond was the lucky recipient of the uh, prizes. Uh, there's a new T-shirt available from... Uh, for the Hamlet dot spreadshirt featuring a drawing of Edgar Kale's face. That's done by Pseudo Boy. His Twitter handle is Pseudo Boy. His name is Tim Bird. Plenty of other designs as well up on the spreadshirt. Got Dulwich Hamlet Uberalas, the DHFC Hardcore logo, which is flying off the shelves, I'm told. Got two uh, Nouveau designs, which um, I think Mishy's a big fan of. Got the Ford the Hamlet logo and the Ball logo. So yeah, take a look. Available in all sizes, male and female. We have a new signing as well. There was some January business for Dulwich. Serge McAfo has joined on loan for a month from Whitehawk. Serge McAfo. Coming up from a different angle. <laughs> um, he's a striker. A different, a different angle. Yeah. He's a striker. He's uh, taking the heat off Harry Ottaway this month. And he scored on his debut against Enfield. Yeah, it was quite... I mean, scored is a, well, yeah. is a loose term, but... It hit him and went in, I think. But it was... Nyron ran down the wing, didn't he? Beat two or three players. Swung in across. Stadium announcer said it was Serge Makofo. Someone on Twitter said it was Terrell Forbes, which was impressive, considering it was a counter-attack and he'd cleared the ball. Football webpages said it was Nyron Clunas, but it fell somewhere in between being an own goal and Serge's debut goal, so... We'll give it him. Yeah. Pierre, quick Google search seems to suggest he was a, a prodigy on the game football manager. So yeah, he's got a bit of a cult following. Actually, we must mention the Enfield goalkeeper who was ridiculously good. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I did a little bit of research after the game and he's on loan from Braintree, who are in the conference. And he's played for England C. And considering he wasn't that tall, he's probably only about 5'10". The amount of saves he made was just unbelievable. So if, the, if there's any small goalkeepers out there, keep trying and, you know, one day you could be 
on loan from Braintree at Enfield, saving a lot of shots. On a really, really cold Tuesday night. Yeah. What was you on? Uh, Jamie Maskell, who's on loan at Erith Town, or Erith Town, however you want to pronounce it, unfortunately suffered a dislocated shoulder playing for them uh, last week. However, he's been given the all clear, which is good. Oh, we should give a mention to uh, someone who's recently started doing football blogs, football match reports, non-league match reports of games in the Ryman Prem. He's sprung up from nowhere, really, and he's recently started producing a number of reports, a couple of them on Dulwich, um, including one of the Enfield Town game. It's called The Luxury Fan on Twitter. And I've had a read of uh, most of his ones, most of the Dulwich ones, and it's a very good read. And I know that he's had a very good reaction so far. He was at Enfield Town again on Saturday. See, that was two games in a row at the Queen. At the QE2, I believe it's known as. Not a ship. Not a ship. Football stadium. Yeah, with a nice running track around it. And a very nice clubhouse. Listed clubhouse. What a place, actually. Yeah, really. QE2, listed clubhouse. Yeah, so the luxury fans there for the second game in a row. And uh, his match report went online today. And at the end of every match report, he selects uh, which fans he thought were the best. Uh, And I'm happy to say the Rabble have twice won that accolade in his two match reports. But this time against Met Police, the Enfield Town fans came up on top. And he wanted to give special mention to the Enfield Town fans for their genius chant during the match, which consisted of, Nino, Nino. (laughs) Which I thought was uh, simple yet gloriously effective. On Saturday, uh, Pekin or Pecan, how would you how would you pronounce it? Pecan, Pecan, yeah. What, the nut, yeah, like the nut. I suppose I don't have any other pecan. Wouldn't go too far though. In a food bank situation, so it was lucky that a lot of foodstuffs were collected for. Yes. The Southern um, Food Bank on the Saturday game, just gone. Yeah, against Greys. Um, there was a big, I wouldn't call it campaign, it wasn't really a structured campaign, it was just a lot of um, word of mouth on Twitter and social media that Pecan were going to be collecting. It was Southwark Food Bank, who were formerly the Peckham Food Bank, um, decided to come along on Saturday. And the turnout for it was absolutely unbelievable. They were the collection point. Was sorry, the drop-off point was in the clubhouse, um, where the stage usually is. If you have ever been in the Dulwich clubhouse at Champion Hill, and it was just absolutely covered in carrier bags full of food. Um, I spoke to a member of the Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust afterwards, and he said that a member of Pecan had told him that they'd never seen that amount of food ever before. Yeah, and it's something that um, I think after the game as well, they said that. Pecan said they'd try it again at a Dulwich home game because with that many people in one space it would make, it, it makes sense to try and make the most of it especially when Sainsbury's is right next door we should give a mention to the Dulwich Hamlet youth team at the moment recently they triumphed in the Southwark derby against Fisher youth team 3-0 and I know that Josh Fernandez was on the, the uh, score sheet on the forward the Hamlet Twitter we do keep an eye on ex-players who've moved up the leagues from Dulwich. One last week who was in the news is Callum Haraldo. 
I like that. Did you go with that? Callum, I like that. I think it's double-barreled, isn't it? So it's Callum Geraldo Martin. He's at Hull City. He's next striker for Dulwich. He was at the club when he was very young, left very young. Uh, he's been at Hull City. He's not really been getting a look in. He's joined Aloha Athletic in the Scottish Championship for the remainder of the season. So good luck to him. Hopefully he'll get some first-team games. Before the next episode of the podcast comes out, there is a friendly match which has been organised by the club. Uh, Dulwich are playing a friendly against Stonewall FC. Uh, It's at Champion Hill on Wednesday the 11th of February. All proceeds from the match are going to Stonewall's chosen charity, which is the Elton John AIDS Foundation. And this is part of Dulwich's ongoing campaign to support all anti-homophobia efforts by football in this country. It's £3 to attend. £1 of that goes to the Elton John AIDS Foundation. Imagine you'll get to see some of Dulwich's youth players, maybe some players you won't have seen before, so it's a good opportunity to cast your eye over some of the talent that might be coming through at Dulwich in the years to come. That's all for this episode of Forward to Hamlet. Don't forget to get involved online. Our Twitter is Forward Hamlet. Facebook is Forward the Hamlet. And website is forwardthehamlet.com. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Forward the Hamlet is part of the Holdfast Network. Visit holdfastnetwork.com for more quality podcasts. We nice if all teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger.